Millions of frontline workers keep our economy running and are provided with the latest technology to do their jobs. But digital adoption, especially by frontline workers, is really hard. This is Frontline Innovators. We explore how to overcome challenges and achieve success when we empower our essential workers. I'm Justin Lake. And I'm Gene Signorini. Together, we speak with experts who are leading the way and driving digital transformation to the front line. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful on a mission to help frontline workers learn and use the technology needed to succeed in their jobs. Welcome to the Frontline Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Lake, and I'm super excited about today's episode. Today's guest is a determined problem solver who takes pride in being very detailed and organized with a huge sense of urgency. We call that the GSD attitude. Currently, she's the change adoption manager at Echo Global Logistics. Please welcome Michelle Pacilli. Hello, Michelle. Hi, how are you? I'm awesome, and I'm so thankful that you're here today. Um, Really looking forward to uh, the conversation that we're going to have today. So let me start off and ask you what you think is the biggest challenge facing deskless frontline workers today. I mean, we are in a very interesting time. You know, we being at home now for two years, everyone is unsure of how long this is going to last. We had our, you know, our plan, we had our day kind of mapped out for us. And now the curveball was thrown in and we've got to adapt to this new style. And not only are we adapting, but everyone else around us is adapting. So right now, the biggest challenge is how can I make this easier? How can I make this better for myself? How can I make this less challenging? Um, Everyone is stressed. How can I make this less stressful? (laughs) So that's kind of the biggest challenge we're dealing with today and and trying to overcome. It seems to me there's a heightened awareness, um, self-awareness of all of our kind of state of mind, maybe then before the pandemic, uh, meaning that I think we've all begun to talk more about the stress and the pressure that we feel as, as it relates to all of this change. Do you think that's true or is it just me that feels that way? I definitely think it's true. And it's interesting that even people, you know, needing therapy are coming forward too. So in trying to yeah. deal with it and, and everyone is trying to work together and it, the, the silver lining of everything that's happened over the last two years is that we've developed a community in a sense in, in any aspect, whether that be at work, at home, frontline workers. Um, but we've developed this sense of got to get through this together. And what, what are you doing to help you get through this? And so, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting. You know, there, obviously there's such a focus on all the bad things that have come from the pandemic, but I, I think you just raised another great topic that I think is, you know, one of the positive sides, the silver lining that's come from the pandemic is there has been a, a greater sense of community in some ways. <clears throat> and I think it comes from just all of us. Um, you know, we're going through a similar experience together. Now, sure, we've got some political divisiveness and, and some of the other things that are going on. But the reality is, is that, you know, as Americans, and as, you know, members of the global, you know, society, we're all going through this challenge together. And I think in a lot of ways, and especially as it relates to work, everybody's uh, just more aware of their surroundings with their colleagues and things like that. And, and I would say what I notice a lot is more sensitivity to family issues which I think is fantastic, right? So um, that's that's something that we all need to pay close attention and, and make sure that we hold on to uh, as this thing wanes down over time. Yes, definitely yeah. agree with that. 
So I, I want to, we'll come back to digital transformation and frontline workers, but for a little bit, I want to talk about you and kind of figure out how you ended up in the role that you're in. So first I want to just point out Echo Global Logistics. One of the things that you said um, in our prep call that I thought was interesting is that you were not an asset-based logistics company. And I hadn't really thought about it that way. It makes perfect sense and I get it, but explain to our audience what that really even means. Yeah, so we at Echo Global Logistics are a middleman. We are the third party provider for our shippers and our carriers. So we build relationships with our shippers, with our clients, and then we will essentially work with our carriers and build the same relationships. We have this very strong partnership with both sides of the shipping community. Now with that, we have no asset. We don't have any trucks. Um, out of the 30 plus locations, there are no trucks. We have over 50,000 carriers that we are working with. Um, and it can be anywhere from a full truckload or a, a small sprinter van, it can, anywhere in between. Um, and it, building out these relationships is huge and, and building out the relationships to have to give back to our clients and our shippers is also as well. We wanna provide them a trustworthy you know, service. So uh, that is something that is huge for us. So is this what you intended to do when you went to school? No, I am an allied health and communicative disorders with an emphasis in physical therapy is my degree. I came out of college, knew that physical therapy wasn't something that I wanted to go forward with, but helping others was something that I wanted to continue on the path. So prior to Echo Global Logistics, I worked for another company um, and enjoyed it, got a lot out of it, needed a new challenge. And so I made my way over to the logistics world, not even knowing what a, a pallet was. So I walked in the first day, had no idea what a pallet was. And uh, here we are today. So it's but been a wild ride. So you started with Echo as an account executive, basically in sales. Tell me how you ended up in sales and then how you've progressed into being a, a change management person now. Yeah, so I had a great relationship with customers. I'm just a people person in, in nature. So when I came to Echo, I knew that that role was going to be a great fit for me. And, and it really was. I enjoyed every aspect of it. And I truly love to learn about the logistics world and how I can help my fellow peers. So with that, I transitioned over into the department trainer role, wanting to just give my excitement for the company, for the logistics world, and also teach these new people coming in about all these new features that they could use to elevate themselves and just really give the client the best possible customer service that they could. And then from there, did that for two years, moved over into the change management role. I wanted to just know more. I wanted to be more involved. I wanted to see how these features and these products were being developed from an IT or in tech perspective. And then um, work with the entire company instead of just the department. And, and that's really how it just flourished what do you think? So I've noticed as I've talked to a lot of change management practitioners, I would say the two qualities that seem to be coming out on almost every single conversation that we have is empathy for people, the people that they serve inside their organizations, and then curiosity, like insatiable curiosity. 
to understand and to learn. And, and you've now talked about those things as you've explained your role. Where do you think that curiosity comes from? It's, it's taking the small things that happen day in and day out. It's the customers that come to you and say, thank you so much for what you've done. And it's working with the carriers too, that have, you know, taken on these big um, initiatives and, and it's kind of some of the good, the feel good um, shipments that we've done are snack and water companies have come to us and said, we need to get our product out to our frontline workers. How can you help us? And for us, it's like, absolutely, we're here to help. We want to help. We're excited to help. We want to be a part of something so great and so, you know, exciting. And the same thing with like distilleries, they want, they came to us and said, we want to get out hand sanitizer. We're going to change the way we do things. And we want to push out hand sanitizer. Can you imagine if your client went from distilling to <laughs> making hand sanitizer and how yeah. fun and, you know, inviting that is to be a part of something so, so great. So um, that drives a lot of this excitement, especially from being a non-asset base, this third-party provider where we don't see the freight and we don't see anything kind of move past us except for, you know, what's on our screen that drives that excitement to continue on. And that's something that I love to push. And I'm like, did you hear about this great shipment we just had? Um, and, and we, I think our company does a really good job of highlighting those big, important ones, such as, you know, the snacks and water and hand sanitizer. Yeah. Well, <laughs> for, for an organization and, and a personality like yours, where you're just a, a natural problem solver, not being asset-based actually gives you a lot more flexibility as a company to be more resourceful and pull together the, the resources that you need to solve the, the problem of the day or the problem of the moment. And so mm -hmm. I, I can see that being very appealing to you just based on, you know, how your mind works and, uh, you know, the problems that you want to solve. So I, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So when we think about the frontline workers um, in your organization, a little bit different from some of the other interviews that we've done in the podcast. So define what a frontline worker is for you and your organization. A frontline worker for us in our, in our organization can be both, you know, on the receiving end, on the shipping end, but also our workers themselves. You know, we have to make sure that our people, our staff, our employees, our entire company is ready to go and, and is, you know, working as best they can to service those frontline workers. So I think it just kind of molds all together, but. Um, yeah. Well, what do you think? Yeah. Well, let me ask you this. What do you think has in, in the context of like the pandemic and, and the things that have changed um, what, how has that change impacted the frontline workers in your organization? Or, or, there, or, or I should say, has there, I mean, I guess I should ask you the question, has it even changed at all? Or, or would you say in your organization, it's basically stayed the same? Our organization has, has picked up a lot. And it, it's funny that we typically um, have clients that start shipping a lot during different times of the year and also during like natural disaster. So we keep an eye on like the market, we keep an eye on the weather because we know that if the weather changes, then we are going to be seeing a spike in certain types of product that's going to be moving. And so being prepared on the front end 
for us is, is very important. We know that we're going to need, you know, a lot of different types of trucks for, you know, rebuilding homes when it comes to hurricanes and tornadoes and, and that such. And we could be moving a lot of um, food products too during these times. So we have to keep an eye on everything that is happening. Now, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of companies shutting down and we saw a lot of companies switching over like our distilleries where they switched over. We've had a lot of companies that did more of like your modular building companies, then they switched over to making hospital facilities. So they're, they're changing the way that they're doing things to help out and we have to mold and change with them. That's really interesting. And, and this is some of the behind the scenes stuff that, you know, most people don't think much about unless you're, you're in the throes of it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear you talk about it. I feel like I'm pretty well connected to what's going on behind the scenes in a lot of ways. And, and I hadn't really thought about the implications of, of um, all the folks involved in shipping and companies that have their own private fleets, but they uh, depend on third party companies like yours to augment, you know, their own fleets and things like that. Um, it, this has been transformational because it's not just a spike or a dip in volume, but companies were actually changing the things that they were delivering and, you know, from where and to where they were delivering that stuff. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, an organization like yours was probably poised to, to really help fill in a lot of those gaps for them. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to what we're doing on our end as well. If we're, you know, building out product that, and tech features that match those types of changes that are happening in the industry, being able to provide our carriers with, you know, an online portal and a mobile app, because we know that there is a driver shortage right now. We know that they are suffering a little bit and they're hurting a little bit because they're tired and they're constantly on the road. So it's how can we make it easier for them? And that's really been our huge goal. And we've seen huge successes with just our, you know, carrier portals and just our mobile app. And, you know, going back to changing the way we're doing things, trying to help them out, trying to give them as much freight as we can, because we know they need money during when COVID started everything shut down with everything shutting down, they're shutting down, they're off the roads. Yeah. So they're trying to make up for it. And so it's, it's a big community. It's a big, you know, big community of just trying to help each other out. Now the portal and the, the mobile applications that you're referring to, those are customer facing, right? Those are not just used by your internal teams, right? Yeah, we have a few different systems that we use. We have an internal system that we are constantly evolving and actually creating a new one that will help make, it'll be more dynamic um, and it will help our you know, internal employees, our customer reps and our carrier reps do their job better, faster and better ROI in the end. And then we have our client portal. Our client portal will allow our clients to submit orders. They will allow their clients to um gather quoting. So it, it allows this less use of phone calls and emails and allows this quick, I need something fast. Um, how can I get it? Oh, I can just go to the portal. Same thing with our carriers. They can see everything that they're moving, every load that they're on, um, documents, invoicing, that sort. So it, it allows them for these emails that we were getting before to just be done on their end and quick. It's all about getting something quick. <laughs> yeah. Speed. Uh, so does your role as a change adoption manager involve both your external customers and your internal employees as well? 
Yeah, I, I largely work with our internal employees because for me, it's just getting them, getting our internal employees up to par, getting them excited. They're the ones that have to speak to the carriers and they're the ones that have to speak to the client. So I want to come in and I want to make sure that they get everything that they need right off the bat and going through that change cycle and and trying to get over that fear, that discomfort that they'll kind of develop, you know, right off hand. We're working with 2,800 employees. So they of all different ranges. So they need to be able to understand exactly what we're giving. So that way they can give their clients, their carriers the best possible um, portal themselves. So to make sure I understand, I think what you're saying is that those 2,800 employees are the face of your company to your customers. And so you need to ensure successful adoption of those technologies by them, make sure they're on board so that that message can be taken out to the customers and they can evangelize how to and why to use the technology that you guys have invested in. Am I saying that right? You are. Yeah. Yeah. So what what are some of the things that you've seen? You talked about the... um, kind of enthusiasm that you're trying to convey to those the workers in your organization. I'm curious if you have any best practices or stories that you can share with us just about how you do that other than saying, come on team, you need to be really excited about this. That's probably not going to be super effective, but, but what are some of the approaches that you you take as an individual and as an organization to, to really make sure that uh, they understand what's coming and, and that they, uh, you know, they, they feel like they're invested in the process? Yeah. So one of the things I've really tried to be I tried to do within this role over the last couple of years is starting, you know, with the development team from the beginning and really trying to be an involved. So it's myself and another, um, a person that works alongside me that we try to be kind of a fly on the wall with everything, trying to absorb as much information as we can. If we understand it from the very, very beginning, it makes it a lot easier to roll out the product in the future. As we get closer to rollout, then we'll start having conversations with our stakeholders. What's the best approach? What type of fears do we think we're going to have? Should we do full training? Does this just need a, a quick message out? So all of those things are considered during this change cycle, keeping the change cycle in mind during the entire process and during the entire rollout. Sometimes, so we'll get our carriers or our clients involved and say, hey, can you test this out for us? Let me know what you think. And, and really trying to engage our clients from our front end and do a little bit of a pilot. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a long process, but I do think that timing is all is very important. Timing and, and fear and trying to gap that fear is very important for the change management team. Yeah. So you mentioned fear. And this, this comes up a lot on this conversation, you know, on this podcast and, and outside the podcast as well. I think that's something that as I've paid more attention to what disrupts successful adoption of technology, I, I've come to realize that um, it's not just stubbornness for change. I think there's a little bit of that, but I think that may be the effect um, really the cause may be in more cases, just very legitimate stress, anxiety, uh, vulnerability mm-hmm. that people feel about the technology. A- any tips that y- you can think of in terms of kind of how to overcome that, or even how to identify if, if that's, you know, an issue in your change plan? 
Yeah, during the change process, I really try to think about like what's going to be the best for our clients and, and trying to keep it also in mind that it could be end of quarter, end of month. It could be nearing those times during busy seasons, during peak seasons and all these types of things. So we do try to keep those ideas in mind because we know that our reps and our representatives are very busy. And so we need to make sure that we can give them everything that they need right off the bat without kind of disrupting their day in a sense. So yeah, some things that we try to try to do is, is bring the excitement from right off the bat, you know, saying, hey, we know this didn't work before. We heard you. We're going to make this work better now. Let's let's take some time and let's go over that. And having that in that excitement and that engagement very, very early on and keeping that through the entire time of the release and of, you know, of everything going out because everyone feels your fear. They know if it's going to be a joke, they're not, no one's an idiot. Yeah. So, you know, being able to kind of say, I believe in it, Let's do this together. Like we're in this together. We're here for you. We're going to support you no matter what, even after the release, here's where you can go to get the support that you'll need. If you have any questions, if you want to, if you've got some comments or concerns, here's where you can go. And, and that's extremely important for us as well during the whole change process and something that's kind of worked for us. One of the things that I said, you, you kind of just skimmed over, but I think it's, it's something we need to go back to is, is transparency. One of the things that you gave as an example of your communication was saying, Hey, I know that this wasn't as good as it could have been before. And it's come up in a few of the conversations here in the podcast that, um, the, the people, the, the stakeholders in change often have some scar tissue. One, one guest referred to it as PTSD, uh, you know, specifically related to some of the, the previous transformational changes that they experienced, maybe even in the same organization. And so when you said, you know, yes, I know it wasn't awesome before, but here's how it's going to get better. I think just that acknowledgement, that transparency, that, hey, we, we can do a better job as a team. Yes, we, we acknowledged last time when we deployed this, this didn't work out so well, that didn't work out so well, whatever the case may be. Um, but to just kind of get them on board and acknowledge that it wasn't perfect and it's probably not going to be perfect now either. Right. Um, yeah. but, but we are listening to you. We, we heard, we took your feedback and now we're implementing some of that. Um, you know, I, I think that's, that's really what seems to be, uh, you know, one of the most important things for those folks, especially if they're feeling anxious and stressed and, and worried and feeling vulnerable, vulnerable and all the things we talked about before. Yeah. It's like that first day of school, you know, you got, you got every feeling going through you. Yeah. Um, and you know, how can we get over that hurdle? And that's, yeah. that's huge. Yeah. Anything that you've learned of you, um, I'm, I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, so I'll warn you just up front. but are, are there any scenarios that you've been through and you don't have to mention any proper names of the people involved or anything like that, but any, any scenarios where you say, maybe we tried to, to implement some change and it didn't quite go as we expected. And maybe some lessons learned from that share a story with us. Yeah. So I, I feel like every type of rollout that we have is, is so different and it, it affects the, the organization in so many different ways. And as a change adoption manager, we come in, for to do a change assessment and we may understand it one way and the organization or the stakeholders maybe understand it a little bit different. And so there can be a little bit of like miscommunication and that's something that we've acknowledged and um, that's something that we wanna 
change going forward. I think it's very, very important to always just be on the same page at the same time with everyone involved. So when it comes to change adoption, we, we want to make sure that we're all in this together. We're all here for the change. I can We can come in with all these suggestions, but we're going to be all in this together. And that's something that we want to strive for, something that we've learned from. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great example. And, and oftentimes when we talk about things that haven't worked well in the past as it relates to digital transformation and, and change management, uh, often the answer is some version of uh, a failure in communication. And so that may be that, you know, people were left out of the conversation that should have been looped in. Uh, that may be that the message that we're delivering to various stakeholders is not consistent. Um, you know, one of the things I've learned from these interviews is that each of the individual siloed organizations inside a bigger company have a different perspective on how this change is going to be coming down, right? So the developers have one perspective, they're deeply embedded in this process, they've been building the software, you've been working with a vendor. And so you really know a lot and things begin to feel intuitive to you, but to others that haven't been through that process, it, it's going to seem very much, you know, very different. Uh, fo folks in learning and development, you know, have, have had a different view. And then the folks that are actually on the business side, you know, might yet have a different view. And so somehow, you know, your challenge is to, to really bring all of that together. And it's, uh, I, I don't even know how you can do that successfully. It's, it's interesting to hear these stories, but it, it's really difficult um, to, to make sure that that communication is flowing. Getting to know your organization just on, you know, outside of like your role is very important too. you know, really just knowing everyone it's, it's been easier because I've been with the company for a long time, but saying hi to people in the hallway, you know, it's as simple as that. And it's funny, it's, it is as simple as that, but getting really to know your organization will help you down the road in the long run, Get, saying, hi, how was your weekend? It really does help kind of bridge those gaps. Cause then they think about you when conversations are had and they're not there. And, and that's been huge. That's been so important for me to just get to know everyone. So do you feel like as, as a, as an account manager, you had been an account executive previously, and now you are implementing change that might affect the account execs today. Do you think having sat in that role gives you any extra superpowers to be able to, you know, implement change with that, that work group? I feel like when it comes to this role, you've got to be an advocate for the account executives, like we said, are the reps, and then also our tech side, because I'm kind of like in between both, and I'm trying to advocate for both. Um, yeah, it, it does help. It does help being part of the of the business and understanding everything that happens on there, on the you know the front end that really drives a lot of these changes, makes it a lot easier. Because now we're saying we understand this didn't work before. We get it. We totally get it. And I think that also helps bridge a lot of that fear and people to get over that fear because they know you've been through it. You've, you've dealt with these situations, you know, you've had success. And so they see that and they want, they say, okay, I trust you. I'll, I'll go, I'll go forward with this. And I think it kind of gets you past that discomfort level and really um, pushes on to that next, that next stance. Yeah. Do you think there should be different strategies and tactics used for implementing change with frontline workers versus maybe some of the folks that work in, in corporate. So, you know, if you're thinking about a, a transformation of your accounting team going from SAP to Oracle or Oracle to SAP versus, 
you know, your frontline account execs and, and other people in the organization that have to adopt, you know, new customer facing technologies and stuff like that. Do you think that those strategies and tactics should be different or is it pretty much the same? Um, I like to believe that it, it's right on the same. I also like to believe that there's not one way of doing it either. Yeah. So that's a really good it. point. Talk, talk me through that a little bit more. You have to, when it comes to change, you have to understand your, your audience. You have to know who they are to start with. You know, are they, when it comes to frontline workers, are they working in the, in the facilities in the shipping and warehouse facilities, or are they on the road? Are they account executives? Like if I were to say internally, are they account executives that are dealing with the clients or are they carrier rep representatives that are dealing with the carriers? And so understanding who the change is for is going to help extremely. And especially when it comes to saying to our carrier representatives, they, this is the changes that are gonna happen and you, you're gonna have to work with your carriers on this. And these, you're gonna have to, you know, let them know. Yeah. Are there any technology tools that you use in your organization to facilitate communication and, and to really impact change? So perhaps beyond Word documents and PowerPoint and, and email, are there other tools that you're using in your organization today to help ensure successful change communication? Our organization has been very successful using Workplace made by Facebook. It has been our kind of common grounds for everything. We know that our representatives receive a lot of emails. We know that emails are missed. It just happens. And we know that email is not a storage place to store any documents yeah. we looked at again. So Workplace has really worked out for us where we can create channels that allow you know, certain conversations to be had and certainly communities to be had. So for an example, we have, I'm from, I'm working the corporate office. We have a Chicago one that allows us to know anything that is happening in the Chicago office, it, whether that be an elevator is down, you know, yeah. and, and it's a way yeah. for communication to be had. Other things are all of our products have their own, their own page that we use. And we are, we, put documents up on that page and it, cr it creates this community within the community that allows us to keep um, trainings kind of together and keep documents together and release notes together and, and it keeps everyone on all on the same page. Yeah. Our organization is quite a bit smaller than yours in my day job, but um, we use Slack very similarly to how you just described you're using Facebook workplace. And um, I, there are tons of advantages. We have channels set up for different account teams. We have channels set up for the Plano, Texas office so that we can talk about who left something in the refrigerator, uh, you know, those types of things as well. I, I've noticed one of the downsides of that is if you step out for just a little bit, if you're out of the office for a day, if you're tied up in a half day workshop, you, a lot of things can get missed in that thread. Mm -hmm. And uh, so sure, there's like unread messages inside Slack, and I'm sure they do it the same way, you know, in Facebook. But do, do you ever find there are any disadvantages about like that's that speed of communication that it, do people ever get miss things because they were out of the loop for some short amount of time? Yeah, that happens. And I think that can happen really with anything that people yeah. just 
miss stuff. Yeah. Um, I will say though that our management, our managers and our management team have been great at being a part of it too. So if I'm out or my associates out or if we miss anything, there's a lot of managers that will step in and start responding to questions and the training team will step in and start responding. So it, it truly is a rounded community where everyone just kind of steps in and if they know the answer, they'll just go ahead and chat away. And and that's what we encourage. We want that because I can't handle everything. My associate can't handle everything. Yeah. Um, That's been huge for us. That's a really great point that you bring up about the difference in, you know, kind of email communication versus, you know, kind of threaded, you know, messaging channels and stuff, whether it's Facebook or Slack or Teams or whatever platform you're using is that, you know, when somebody just sends an email to one person about a particular topic, if they're out of pocket for a day or for a couple of days or on vacation or whatever, there's nobody else there to, to catch that communication and, and pick it up. Whereas, you know, inside a group form in some fashion, if, if the person intended isn't there or somebody else can contribute, uh, you know, they have the opportunity to do that and keep the communication rolling. So uh, I, I definitely think that's good. I think just the, the trade-off sometimes has been that other people that are kind of, uh, you know, just FYI status, they just needed to know so that it'll affect some decision that they make in the future. Uh, things can be left out from that. And so I, I think it just speaks to something you said before, there is no single perfect communication method. And we just need to, to stay diligent to, to really stay on it and, and look at our organization and see, you know, what's working, what's not, and what can we continue to fine tune over time. So tell me about what you love about working around technology? It is ever changing. There are no two days that are the same. And coming from a background within a degree that is nowhere near technology, there's a constant need to learn. There's a constant need of what is this? So I'm I'm always working alongside anyone that will answer my question. And I have no problem saying, I don't understand. Yeah. You're going to have to let me know how, what this really means. And, and it, but it is exciting to see how things develop and it is exciting to see what is taken into perspective. You know, we've done this before. It didn't work. How can we make it better? And that has been the exciting part, especially while we build a new TMS platform and watching every little thing that goes into it. And it's funny, we have this joke that, you know, everyone wants a button, just put a button in, just put that button in, it'll make it easier. And what it takes to put a button in is so detailed and it's so important because it could link to all these different avenues. And that's probably one of the most exciting is just seeing how everything is just built on the, on the back end, watching that tree essentially be built. For those that don't know, what is a TMS? Our TMS system is our transportation management system. It's our platform and it's how we manage our day to day and allows us to do anything from quoting, building, invoicing, tracking. It is our meat and potatoes. If it goes down, we cannot do our job. So it's essentially like an ERP for a transportation logistics company. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it really is the center of your universe. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So what do you, what do you hate about working with technology? What do you dislike? Maybe hate's too strong of a word, but what do you dislike about working <laughs> with technology? You know, it, and it's funny because it's like, I don't, I feel like it's so interesting. How can you hate it? But when you, when you, 
get really invested and you get really excited for a release to happen. And then you're like, yes, it is going to go this day. And we are going to get this out the door and all of our new users can use it. And then we find out there's a small little bug and you're like that you never anticipated. And you're like, and it can't go, it can't be released. And you're like, no, like I just, I got so excited. I was so excited to, you know, have everyone use this. And that's probably the one thing that I'm like, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I think I'm with you on that. I, you know, I, I've said this on other podcasts before that I, I just really enjoy the pace of change. I find it very stimulating. And so I'm a sucker for new capabilities and, and just getting absorbed by new capabilities, no matter what application it is that I interface with throughout the day, or even the application that we build. Um, but there is always that part of, you know, with that pace of change, things don't always work flawlessly right out of the gate. Right. And, and that's frustrating. And I, I always try to, when I have those experiences, I try to put myself in the shoes of the users of our software and, and, you know, the, um, the end users of all the technologies that are uh, being adopted. And I just say, if, if those bugs make it out to the field and they get more frustrated, it affects the change. It affects adoption for everything, right? Kind of gives everybody, uh, you know, a, a little mental block to say, well, I really don't want to adopt this technology because the last time something was rolled out, it didn't work, you know, and it was frustrating yeah. and it ruined my day and I couldn't get my job done and everything else. Right. And so that just doesn't make, you know, any of our jobs any easier as we're trying to help folks, you know, implement technology. Yeah. You really could ruin trust with people if it's not done right the first time. Yeah. So, yeah. Let so, the bugs happen before it gets released. <laughs> well, that that's how it's supposed to work, right? Right. Uh, you know, it, it is, and but you know, I've actually had this come up now on a few uh, of these interviews where people have talked about testing, and mm -hmm. you know, just the whole QA process actually being, um, you know, really actually a component of change. In that, um, if if bugs are getting out into production software, it affects the perceptions, you know, of that transformation. Um, sometimes QA, when it's done right, does cause some delays, um, which means that you know uh, releases don't happen when they were supposed to, exactly as you described before. So it's it's just a it's the reality. And and as we turn up the dial on the treadmill to you know accelerate the pace of change you know all companies right now want to brag about their agility and their ability to adapt and be flexible and and increase the pace of innovation and all that kind of stuff but there is a cost to that and um you know sometimes it, it just doesn't come out the backside as as flawlessly as we would like and so as, as folks sitting in your shoes as change management professionals and and those of us you know uh, in our Role we have uh, a technology platform that helps you know support some of that change, but we have to do QA on our side to make sure that we're not injecting you know new problems into the technology, and then our customers have to deal with that too with the software that they're rolling out. So uh, it's it's a never-ending you know battle, um, but I, I do think the users understand that things aren't typically going to be perfect. And I think when we have change management, you know, professionals like yourself that are communicating that are early and often to the teams in the field, it just, it helps to, uh, you know, ensure success, uh, even when those glitches do make it out into the field. Yeah. So I need to start wrapping this up because we've already come up to the end of our time. Um, but I'm very excited to share with you and the audience uh, something new that we are doing now. So just this week, uh, it's today we're recording this on October 7th. Just this week, we um, announced and implemented a new group called the Frontline Innovators Council. This is a community of change management and technology innovation folks that are specifically doing work around uh, frontline workers. 
And um, the only fee for entry is that you have to sit through a podcast interview with me, which you have now completed successfully. And so uh, we'd, I'd like to extend an invitation to you, Michelle, to come join us with the Frontline Innovators Council. It is a private group hosted on LinkedIn, and we're going to start the conversation there. That's actually already begun in the last couple of days. And we're going to start to host some sessions uh, over Zoom to bring all of these change management practitioners together and some folks on the technology side of things, kind of bring everybody together in a community so that we can share best practices and really take what we've done today on kind of a one-on-one -on -one basis and bring that into a group format so that you can be introduced to all of the other professionals that are doing similar things as you're doing across other industries and other companies. And uh, we can all learn from one another. So I'd like to extend an invitation to you. You'll get an invite today via LinkedIn and uh, really excited to have you as part of that conversation with us. Yeah, that's really exciting. Thank you so much. But it, it, it is exciting, like you said, to, to meet other professionals that are the same organizations. I, I can't wait. And there's so many different industries that are represented already. And um, we've got about 20 something, 25 invitations out right now. So I can't wait. Uh, hope to get that up to closer to 100 by the end of this year. And um, so it'll, it'll remain close knit, but it should be a place where we can really uh, create a good form for great dialogue and, and learning from one another and, and hoping to advance the, the challenges and solutions around, you know, digital transformation for frontline workers. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. All right, great. Well, I do need to wrap it up there. And um, I've really enjoyed the conversation today and I hope our audience yeah. has as well. Um, <laughs> if you have in the audience, please share and rate the podcast. Five-star ratings help ensure that it gets promoted to other professionals like you that are innovating on the front lines. This podcast is sponsored by Skillful the mobile digital adoption platform for deskless and frontline workers. Visit the website at skillful.com. That's S-K-Y-L-L-F-U-L.com. And if you or someone you know is out there innovating on the front lines, we'd love to hear about it and include your discussion here on the Frontline Innovators Podcast. So please reach out to me on LinkedIn and share your story. And we'll see you on our next episode. Michelle, thank you again for your time today.